Welcome to the Moments That Matter podcast. My name is Laura Escamilla. I am your host. And I am your co-host, Isaac Escamilla. And today we have a friend of ours, Carla Long. We've met Carla about a year ago, and we wanted to welcome her on because she is a recent graduate with her MBA, and we just discussed going through the grind of what that looks like. So Carla, would you introduce yourself and let us know what you're up to right now? Yeah, of course. My name is Carla Long. I am from McAllen, Texas, born and raised. Lived here my whole life, practically. Just graduated with my MBA about a year and some months ago here at UTRGV. I'm currently a OTF coach and a financial advisor doing a little bit of health and life insurance and just financial advising in general. OTF for listeners, Orange Theory OTF, Fitness. OTF, yes, <laughs> our Orange Theory uh, Fitness. Or the so, uninitiated, yes. Yeah. What motivated you to go into a career in finance? So business degree and MBA degree covers a whole lot of ground. It covers marketing, it covers sales right. and finance and accounting and why finance? What about that? Um, why did you choose that for yourself? Honestly, I was just a senior looking at all the majors and I was confused as ever. I'm sure as seniors, you don't know what path you want to take. And I actually asked advice from my dad and thought I wanted to go the business route because he's one of the most successful business owners that I know and asked him, I guess, what business route would be the best. He said, do not go accounting. <laughs> he said, it changes yearly. You'll be lost. He said, I think the best route to go with Probably the best salary that you could look forward to would be finance. And just a girl being daddy's little girl was like, okay, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. So I chose a degree in finance. Along the course of my college, I didn't really see a problem or struggle with it. So I just ended up sticking with it and graduated. And then soon enough, I was like, oh. So you explored, let's talk about your undergrad. So you went in, you have a, an undergrad in business. Right. So my undergrad, my degree was in finance. Mm -hmm. And then when I pursued my MBA, I thought, let me get a little more broad in that sense. And the more broad version was business administration. So that covers a little more of a broader aspect, I would say. Finance was definitely more specialized. Very of focused. course, yeah, of course, you do take classes of accounting and all that stuff just to get out the way and to learn things that are going to help in that field. But I signed up doing finance and I just stuck it out. That's and great. so talk about uh, your undergrad. Where did you go to school on your undergrads? So I, as a senior, was hate the valley, hate it here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to apply everywhere, see where I go. I think I applied to about seven schools, all in Texas. I think the only school I applied out of Texas would, was Duke. And I said, well, I don't really have a school that I've dying to go to. People my age are like, no, I'm going to go to UT. I'm going to go to A&M. And I just mm -hmm. really didn't know. I didn't have the knowledge. My parents didn't go to college. So I'd be a first generation. And just growing up, it was always instilled in us that we would go to college. So it wasn't, if you want to, the option's there, you're going to go. It wasn't a choice. It was just right. the next step. So my sister at the time, she's a year and a half older than I am. So about two grade schools above, and she was already in college as well. And I was like, okay, I have to apply. It's the only route I'm going to go. And so after applying to about seven schools, got into all of them except UT Austin. I was capped. So I was like, I still want to get out regardless. I was like, let me go to UT school. I was like, I love San Antonio. Let me go to San Antonio. So I went to UTSA and my parents, before I left, told me, if you want to go to college, which we're forcing you to go, but if you want to go to college, mm -hmm. you must pay everything yourself. Your sister had to pull out a lot of loans. She got some scholarships. You're going to have to figure out a way. And luckily for me, in that moment, I realized I have so much savings. My dad had been making, my sister and I work every summer starting freshman year. So we would work 40-hour weeks every summer. 
So as soon as you could work, you did. Right. So as soon as I finished freshman year of high school, he put us to work. It wasn't crazy work, but he wanted to show us the value of a dollar and just structure in general. So by the time I was ready to go to UTSA, I had about over 10K in my bank account without knowing it. I'm just a hoarder like that. So it makes sense now that I'm a financial Finance. advisor. It does. Yeah. And so I said, I can do this. I can do this. I can pay my apartment. I can pay my school. And if I can't afford it, I can pull out loans. No big deal. I just, I was very not in a good place when I was here as a senior. I was just like, I was dying to just go out regardless. I was going to make it work in whatever means possible. I ended up paying my apartment pretty much the whole year in advance out of pocket, my own money, pretty much drained my savings doing that. And I had to pull out a loan for, me, for UTSA school. And about midway through my first semester, so I wasn't even in college for about two, three months. And my dad would go visit me because we were the best of friends. And he would go visit me and he's like, I think your mom and I are planning to get a divorce. And I can't say I was shocked because this should have happened a long time ago. But I was actually shocked that they were pulling the trigger. And my first instinct was my little siblings. They're in middle school. How is this going to go down? And so I would talk to them and I would talk to them and they were just crying every day, Mm -hmm. just horrible. And my parents were just not getting along. And it was just hard to see in a different city my siblings going through that. Of course. I was like, I need to take matters into my own hands because they're obviously not being adults in this situation. And my siblings are going to grow up, you know, seeing all this, Mm -hmm. right? And not guided. I was like, this is so much more important. I finished out my semester at UTSA, took a little vacation with my sister at the time. She was going through a breakup and our parents divorced. We're just like, let's get out of here for a week or so and came back enrolled in UTRGV. And I was like, I'm going to stick it out here for about half a year, a semester, help out my siblings as best as I can and my family, because I had been married for over 20 years at this time. So it was going to be a huge adjustment. And I was like, I'll just stick it out here for about half a year and make sure my siblings are good. And I'll just go back or at that time, go to UT, because that's when the year would finish and my cap would be done. And three years later, I graduate at UTRGV with my degree. So back up, what did you do about your lease and that you paid in advance? Yeah, so I paid it in advance and pretty much they said, okay, you're free to go. You paid it all in advance. You just gave up your money. I paid it in advance. There's nothing that they can do to give me back my money. Whether I had paid it in advance or not, if I wanted to leave, I would have had to pay the full year. You were still responsible for it. So I was still responsible for it. So how college apartments work at that time is you pay for your unit. So Mm -hmm. I was in a four bedroom, but I just paid for my room. So it was a a smaller price, the more bedrooms you got. So I paid off my unit and that was pretty much it. I didn't really look back. I was, of course, wanting to go back in half a year, but I said, you know what? UTRGV is so much cheaper. I don't have to take out any loans. How am I going to get myself through college in the best way possible. My siblings at the time, I was closer to them as ever. And I didn't pull out any loans. I lived at home. And I was like, I like this. All I was doing pretty much to pay for my school was working two, three jobs. And just being in my family in general was a definite win over the other, how do I say it, the other option. Sure. What were the two or three jobs you worked? Because so, you say all I was doing, but two or three jobs for a right. college student is that's a, a lot that's of jobs. A lot of I jobs only had too. one in college. You're like, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I worked at Gold's Gym as a front desk employee. So that wasn't much pay. I think it was minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I tried working for my dad for a little bit. So I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I also 
worked at OTF as well as a sales associate. So that was before I became a coach at Orange Theory. And that's when I got into my HEB job as well. So it's a little mixture of a little bit of everything, but it paid the bills. And luckily, my dad let me live with him. So I didn't have to pay any big bills. But my school loan was was a pretty big amount, I would say. Sure. I get that. I've got to say it was very responsible. I don't know if responsible really encapsulated, but to make that decision for yourself to come back for your family. It was considerate because I cannot imagine my son who is in second year of college deciding there's something he needs to come home for to be here. So that was very mature of you to to have that foresight of what your siblings were going to go through. But then again, he doesn't have any younger siblings, so maybe he would have made a different choice. Yeah, I would definitely feel guilty if I hadn't made that decision. I couldn't continue my college experience knowing that they're crying at home. Of course. And my older sister in college, no, no shame to her, but she was living her best life. And she wasn't really close, I would say, to my parents as much. She was just like, the further away I am, the less I have to deal with it. Sure. And I was like, I don't see it like that because I would understand if it was just my two parents that were, you know, going at it or whatever. But these kids in middle school, you know, crying and calling me like- Middle school's rough as it is. Right. I wouldn't be able to enjoy my college college. experience, right? And knowing that and coming back and three years later graduating, that's when the pandemic hit as well. Mm -hmm. So they ended up paying a lot of my school and I got money back from that as well. I guess I took- Advantage? Right. I took advantage that they were paying me and I was able to get through these courses faster. So I took a lot of summer classes. I ended up graduating- like a year and a half earlier than with my first degree. Well, that's mm-hmm. a huge win. Mm-hmm. So cool. can you walk us through the application process for your MBA? And once you make that next step, it's not as easy from undergrad to getting into a master's program. That's a little more challenging. You have to have the grades. You have to have all of the, the things line up and decide what you want to do if you want to continue with business or what have you. So walk us through what happened after that. So I actually had no idea that I wanted to even get my master's. It was December. I'd graduated my undergrad. And I remember sitting in my ceremony for my undergrad, for my first degree. And the guy next to me was saying, oh, did you hear about the program? You can get it done. And he was exaggerating, but he made it seem like you can get this master's in half a year. I was like, no way. He's, you should look into it. The application process is still open. And I said, Okay, so then it lingered in the back of my mind. I remember going to the brunch after my ceremony and telling my dad, hey, I think there might be an opportunity for me to do my master's. And at the time, my dad was like, just satisfied that I got my degree because he didn't, my mom didn't at this time. And he was just like, look into it. He'll see what you want to do. And so I remember I look into it and sure enough, it was still open for January, right? So open in, for January courses. And I said, well, let me apply. I don't lose anything applying. And they had all my, of course, all my courses, all my transcripts, everything like that. And I said, you know what? I'll take it as a sign. If I get in, I'll do it. If I don't get in or they defer me for about half a year, I'll just wait it out. Because my original plan was I do want to get my master's, but I want to take a one-year break minimum. I've been in school since I was in pre-K three. So at this point, I was probably, I think I was 21 when I graduated. And I was just, I need a break. It's been a long road. So when he told me that at the ceremony, I was like, you know what? Why not? Graduated the master's at 22. It's crazy. So I looked into it, of course, and I applied. And sure enough, I hear back. And you got admitted. You must register for classes by this day. And I'm like, this is the course is starting in three weeks. Like, I had no breaks. I ended up taking a couple of vacations um, 
quick ones. During the, the during, three week. <laughs> yeah, during the Christmas season, I guess, the New Year season. And there I was. And I was like, how am I going to pay for this? Because the semesters are mini masters. That's so right. If you They're do shorter. This one, yeah. If you do this one in your program, you have six week courses, right? So in this January to May period, you have two semesters, right? And not only do the classes go fast, you got to pay Before. every six weeks yeah. as well. Yeah. And each semester was going to be three, four grand. And I'm like, I have the money to do so. I'm just a workaholic. So I was just saving and saving. And at this time, I was still living at home, yeah. 100%. And I was just saving and saving, paying my bills when I needed to. But for the most part, I didn't have any big bills at the time. Hey. I was like, How, what am I going to do? The last thing I want to do is pull out loans. I, I don't know why. I'm just so against it. I feel like loans are the one thing that haunts adults nowadays. And I just <laughs> tried to just stray away from it as much as possible. You're not wrong. No. Yeah. And I was like, no, you got this. You're not going to regret it. Just pay it out of pocket. And there I was a year later, paid everything. Total was about probably 12, over 12, 15 grand for sure. And I got it done and it was tough managing two jobs at the time. I was a coach at Orange Theory. And I worked at HEB curbside. So while managing online school and meeting deadlines, it was definitely the hardest, toughest year of my life. But I did graduate at a month fresh being 22. That is really cool. Yeah. So when I did my master's and you're talking about the difficulty of it, it is way harder than an undergrad, hands down. So when I did my master's, I remember that last semester, of course, I was older I had a full-time job and two kids. But that last semester, I literally was crying. So tough. So tired and telling Isaac, I'm just going to quit. Who cares on my my tombstone? It's not going to be like she had a master's right. degree. Nobody cares. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to quit. Like, it is so hard. It is so hard to manage that. So even working two jobs, that's, I guess we switch, right? Like I had my full-time job and kid. And so, but yeah. so you had two jobs, but going through, it's important for students and parents to understand that a master's degree, if you haven't gone through it, it is way harder than your undergrad because right. it's fast paced. It's very specialized and you're not messing with the little, there is no, what do they call them? Slacker classes, right? No, there's take, no like discussion classes yeah, and stuff like that. You're there's not going to take, and, yeah, you're not going to take a I'm going to take a physical fitness class and oh, yeah. get like an easy Elective. A. There's no they easy, call yeah, easy A's. There's none of that's happening. It's very, everything counts. every class counts, right? Everything so, counts. Yeah. I definitely have to second that. I, there was an option. There's always an option to do it to your master's program. Of course, it's much more slower pace. And I'm like, do I, like, can I just grind it out for one hard year and say I'm done? Mm -hmm. Or do the two-year slower program where you're still going to be miserable either way, but now you're going to be miserable for, for another years, extra yeah. year. <laughs> Twice yeah. as long. So that's why I was like, just one year, you got this. You've been doing this for 20 just years. Just keep going. Right. And which is this. our advice to our son. He's going to graduate a semester early because of his uh, dual credits See, that's that he so had. Awesome. Yeah. But I'm like, go straight into your MBA. Like, just get it over with. Don't, if you take a break and try to go back, like you're going to lose that. So much harder. That drive. The momentum. Keep doing, and the getting used to being in school. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, just go. Get it. Get, just finish it. Like, finish, do the 18 months or year and a half, whatever the programs are, and just get it done. I and totally so, agree. So that he's thinking through that process, but it, uh, it's not always, it's quick and it's super quick. No. Three, three week 
yeah, period that I had. I didn't have an accelerated for my program, and I wish there was. I did a whole two years <laughs> yeah. traditionally. I felt like I was in school for it. I yes. did full two years also, and I went in person full time. I think. Did you do an online program or in I person? I did it completely online because I was, was like, two. if I'm going to pay for this and if I'm going to have time for this, I need to do it when to, you have time. Try right? to not be on campus as much as possible. Because how am I going to pay for this if I'm at school all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would do it after my shifts yeah. or even at work. If I could, yeah, absolutely, like pull out my laptop. Mm-hmm. I had this due at eleven fifty nine or stuff like that. So yeah, so my master's was in person, so I had to go like work all day and then go to That's school. That's tough. I feel from I was going from four to ten twice a week. Right. I feel like that's so much more it was. draining it was because so it's not only mentally then you have to come home and do your work. Right. That was classic sitting in a class and learning. So now. That I'm in the doctorate program, it's very okay. It's ten o'clock at night. I'm gonna break out my laptop, like because it's all online, right? So yeah. yeah, it's a huge difference, and and you're in the comfort of your own home as well. Yeah, and but versus... I can walk away. I can do something. I can eat. I can, yeah. you know, like all the little things. So definitely not that people can't go to a regular. I would say MBA, the but the biggest oh. plus that I got out of that online program was not paying parking permit. Uh, oh yeah, or mean. figuring out where to park. Not just paying for it, but getting a parking. Those are both tough. Yes, the amount of tickets I got in my undergrad because of the parking situations. Yeah, you can't map this out. I can't (laughs) figure it out. Every color looks the same to me. Yeah, so you're not alone in that. Yeah, our son got a bunch of parking tickets. And I'm like, why are you driving? Why are you driving to school? You live two blocks. Walk. Use the walk. His house is yeah. two blocks. So he's, I'm going to start walking because the space I found is further than my my apartment. I'm dying. Like just, yeah. And getting ticket park. Like I'm just going to park here because it's close. And they're and, so expensive too. Yeah. yeah. And he's bold. He, he parking in staff parking. Like, oh, that's He's not bold. even trying. Like, that's bold. I'm if I'm going to get a ticket, I'm going to get, get a good one. Uh, <laughs> I get a good one going. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so. Back to your MBA. Let's talk about what you appreciated about doing the MBA. You did an undergrad in business and then into the MBA. Did you have any ever thought process of changing to something different or you knew you're just going to stick this, continue this? Right. During the MBA process, I I always knew I was going to go to my, get my master's, right? I just didn't know if it was going to be a year break or what I was going to do. But my dad or my parents, I should say, have always held the bar really high. So he was he was ecstatic when I just got my degree in general because something that he never did. But when I said I was getting my master's, he was even more ecstatic. And I was like, what do I do? I did have a slight thought in the back of my head. Should I go for something else just to know, just to be able to show that I can be in two different fields? So being a dietitian actually did cross my mind. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and thought about it. I was like, no, I just think MBA is so broad in the sense that you can go anywhere. You can be in marketing, you can, anything numbers related, as long as you, it just opens up so much more of a field of what you could do. It definitely does. And what did you right. want to do? What did you envision doing when you graduated? I had no idea. I had no idea. My dad owned a business at this time and it was super successful. And I remember telling him, why don't you just let me work for you and mm-hmm. I can run it eventually. He's like, I don't want you here. I don't want you here. He's like, it's really, I just don't want you working this hard. You don't need to. Right. You have the education. He's, I worked so hard to get to where this is now. And I don't want you to have to struggle like I did. Right. He thinks Because you, you have an education. Right. right. He's like, just get far away from this as possible. And I remember I was pretty devastated because I was like, it's a family business. I could help you out. My degree's in finance. I'm in numbers. He does insurance for trucking insurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I've been working for you every summer since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Why not? Just teach me. And he's, no, I don't want you here. 
He wanted something bigger and better. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, but my fallback is that I have a degree in business and I have a master's. What am I going to do? So I just remember still working at HEB and coaching at OTF for about two, three months post-grad. And about this time last year, I went with my dad to a lunch meeting he had just to join him for a lunch meeting. Why not? He invited me and two people met him there. It was a guy that is a broker for health insurance cool. and another guy who's now been my mentor for a year. His nice. name is Nick. So he does what I do, but he's been doing it for 30 plus years. Besides my dad, I'm always going to give my dad the glory. But besides him, he's definitely the most successful man that I know. That's great. And I wasn't even going into that lunch thinking Expecting who I'm going to meet yeah. or anything. And <clears throat> I remember as my dad and the health insurance broker were talking, the other guy, Nick, was like, what do you do? And did you go to school? And he was just bragging about where he's going on vacation and where he was just on vacation and all this stuff, just bragging about Doing cool how stuff. much time he has and all this stuff and with his family. And sure enough, he, he just told me what he did. And just made me think. And he was like, if you're ever interested, I'd love for you to come by my office. And at that time, I was like, I don't even know what you do. <laughs> like, I just know you're bawling, but yeah. I just don't know what you do. Exactly. And so he told me in a little bit of a more of a broader aspect. He didn't give me specifics, but he said, I do financial advising. Yeah. I do anything from health insurance, life insurance, annuities, IRAs, all that stuff. I just yeah. take care of people's financial needs yeah. and, and their families, mm -hmm. too. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. Where, where am I even going to get started? Because you can go two routes if you want to do this. Is You can be on our team and be a um, temporary licensee, get paid a certain salary. Sure. Or you can just get licensed in a couple weeks and make total commission. You don't have to wait that six-month period. He was, and I, at this time, I was just so confused. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, let me go home, do my research. He's like, if you want to stop by my office one day, just come by. And so sure enough, I went that day and he explained exactly what it was to the T. And what stood out to me the most was how much money there is to make in the industry. There's no stability in the sense that there's no salary. There's no salary. Everything yeah. you do is commission based. So mm -hmm. you really have to hustle. So that was the, the biggest downside that I had or yeah. just the con. Right. I love that it was so flexible. You never have to go into the office. They always say, if you're at the office, you're not working. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I love that there is no cap as to how much you can make. You're so flexible. You can vacation and work from whatever. And I've always wanted to be in an industry that you help people regardless. Whatever right. it is, if it's selling products, selling whatever, I just wanted to be in something that's going to help I people can see that. in general. Definitely. So I sat down. I was like, I'm going to do this, I guess. And then there I am taking another course that I thought I was never going <laughs> to have to be in school again. And a couple of weeks later, I was a licensed mm -hmm. life and health agent. That's really cool. Yeah. Never so, stop learning, right? Yeah. And yes. part of and it also finding something that suits your personality because mm -hmm. I were I worked in sales and advertising for years and I hated every minute of it. <laughs> Why? I hated talking to new people. Okay, okay. I hated that it was commission based, that I didn't have a guarantee like yes. every month looked different. I hated that I, there was no stability of it, but there were people who were working in that industry. My mom worked. That's why I got into that into role it. because my mom did it for so long and did very well and thrived in it. And there was people that were there for decades doing this and they loved it. And I hated every minute <laughs> and I didn't understand right. how they were like loving this. Definitely like, two types of people. Yeah, definitely. Right? definitely. It didn't line up yeah. with your personality. Yeah, though. no, yeah. it did not suit me at all. Like I am 
the type of person to this day working in a nonprofit scholarship organization. I will go into my office and if my door does not have to open, I'm fine. If my phone rings, I stare at it like just here in the headlights. Why is my phone ringing? Super works to somebody. I just want to need to work. I'm a workhorse. That's I am the workhorse. I don't need to talk to people. I don't need to meet people. I don't need to do any of that stuff to be fulfilled. Like where Isaac would hate. Sitting uh, and I would yeah. hate as well, Isaac. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but right. I was like, I am not you're a an eight person. to five girly. Yeah. Yes. And you, on the other hand, no, you're like, I stick me in an office stick and I'm me good. In an office and I will eat lunch at my desk. Yes. And I, why don't you have to leave for lunch? Like, just no. I'm fine. I would be I'm so totally miserable. Fine. I'm like, get me out of this. Yeah. Hey, yes. What do you need me to do yeah, to so make money? Yes. You have to know the type of person that you are to do that. And the same thing, like, my next question would be how important networking is, right? To do that. And I meet a lot of wonderful people in my industry and I meet a lot of school representatives. I meet tons of great people, but I don't set out to network. But in, in a role that you have, you need to. You need to. It's be, all it is. Yeah, right. You have to network. And how was that for you? You do that naturally or does that feel? It's definitely awkward and uncomfortable. I'm, I hate the people that would approach me and try to sell something. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how am I going to navigate this? And I realized I have such a an advantage than other people because we live in such a small geographically like placed area. Sure. I said if I was doing this in San Antonio or in a bigger city, it'd be so much more difficult because you can meet you can reach a bigger population, but not everybody knows everybody. Right. I'm like here, everybody knows everybody. That is true. And that's why also I haven't let go of my Orange Theory job. I love you guys, but. It is time consuming, but I do it because of the clientele that I could reach there. That's mostly where I've probably met 75 or 80% of my clients. It's great. It's just there. And it's also not just trying to sell them just this little knickknack. It's, hey, this is going to better your life. So it's definitely out of my comfort zone. I think when I first started, I was like, let me practice a little bit. So I targeted for sure my family. I made sure all their needs were met. Are you taken care of in this aspect? cousins, aunts, uncles. Once I got comfortable with that, then I felt comfortable enough to at the gym or at HEB or wherever I am, I felt comfortable to just advertise myself and not only that, but their future as well. Right. Make them question why they don't have certain things right. already mm-hmm. placed for themselves right. and their kids. And how the, your services will enhance their life or maybe things they've never thought of. Right. So it's so uncomfortable in, when I started out, but then I realized, hey, Isaac knows Keith, and then Keith knows Ginger, and then Ginger knows Laura. Everybody knows everybody. As soon as you even think about it, you have, let's just say, five clients. Does those five clients bring you 10 clients? Sure. So it's just living also in this area is so much more beneficial. Right. I feel it has helped me well, so you much. You can get those relationships easier. It's all about yeah. relationships because I could sell you something, but if I don't text you for your birthday, or check up on you and see how you're doing or how your mom's doing. It's like you always want to have a personal relationship with someone that's, first of all, handling your money. Absolutely. Taking care of you. It's like you want to make sure you're in good hands. Right. So it's all about relationships, not just, hey, closing the deal. It's, hey, how can I make sure that I have you and you have me? In right. that aspect. That's and really, really great. Of, of what you do, I, this is a total one-off from the podcast probably, but mm-hmm. today I had a fundraiser and we had an author. Her name is Nora McInerney. And she, at today's presentation, talked about she lost her husband when he was 31. 
And somebody asked her, who happened to work for a financial institution, what advice you would give to people? Because she did talk about how she didn't know how much a funeral cost and she didn't know how to pay for it. Oh, yes. And they did a community fundraiser to help her pay for it because now there's a house to pay for. Now there's things that they hadn't thought about that stuff or she hadn't because she thought, well, we're like, what are you? (laughs) The financial representative got up and asked her, what advice would you give somebody? She said, I would say, make sure you have all your life insurance, your extra coverage, your cancer insurance, all of these things She goes that you don't think of. And we were like, oh, it's three more dollars. No way. That's a coffee. And three more dollars would have saved me so much. Oh, yes. So in relation to what you're talking about, we do that with Isaac's work. I think we check the box for everything. Like, oh, it's Make sure all the benefits. Right. Everything. Because in those situations, she also recommended, which I did not even think of, the second you get married to have your power of attorney because she didn't know any of these things because when her husband died, they'd only been married three years. Like they hadn't worked I mean, out. early 30s. They, right. they weren't preparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, but, so she says, now I tell people, she goes, yes, it's morbid. Yes, it's totally weird, morbid. But, but that's what I tell people. Like she's, if I meet somebody who's Engaged, get married. So you you know what you should really think of mm. instead of a wedding? Like, who is your power of attorney? Right. What are your make sure you're covered you're, on all angles? You Everywhere. have all your insurance and yeah. you have all of these things covered. And I had never thought about that, but now that you're talking about there's all these little things that couples need, people need, right. not just retirement, because we get that mostly through work. Most people have benefits through that stuff, but there's all the the little things that you're talking about that you have covered right. that an advisor, I so. I think I I have to agree with that. And earlier you said morbid. It's very morbid to talk about. I think my hardest target audience when I'm trying to sell sure. would be people without kids because mm-hmm. they're very much, why do I need life insurance? Because this money isn't for me. Right. It's going to be what happens after I die. Their legacy. So for example, I'm interested in talking to you about life insurance. You're like, I have Isaac and I have my two kids. I need to make sure they're good. People that don't have kids are like, who am I leaving the money to? It's not only that you don't have kids to leave money to. When you pass away, is your house paid off? All your loans paid off? Is is your funeral covered? It's all the things that you leave to your sister or if you don't have a a spouse or significant Mm -hmm. other, right? Who are you leaving those things to? So it's definitely morbid to talk about, but when you put things into perspective, I know you personally don't care what happens after you die because that who you're leaving behind. It's who you're leaving behind, and do you want them to struggle? And and a similar vein, school loans. I am on a lot of parent threads about school loans. Do you get a private loan? Do you get the government loan? And the main thing that comes up with a student government loan, which we did, which we borrowed for our kids, mm-hmm. is that. If you die, whoever's left doesn't have to pay for it. It dies with you. I didn't know that. So when you go through a bank. You learn something yeah, every day. When you go through a bank, that it carries on, the debt carries on to your next of kin or whoever. Somebody has to pay this. Right. But with a federal loan, it dies with you. That's interesting. But these conversations happen, right? And you're thinking, we didn't have these conversations. About, no, not at all. No, no. our things were, our decisions were a little different, but not about death, but people discuss these things. This right. is a reason to use federal loans instead of private loans. Right. True. But similar, like what happens after you? What happens after you? Yeah, yes. who's so staying with this? Is there a service that you have available that you think, I don't know why everybody doesn't do this. Maybe they're just not aware of it. Are there certain things that the general public and they're just not aware of where you have to explain a little bit more. This is how it could help you because you should be doing this and most people don't, but they should. 
I feel like there's so many. There's so many products that people don't know about that I've gotten myself mm -hmm. at 24 years of age that right. probably you're like, why are you doing that at your age? But so much more beneficial, of course, there's that cancer insurance talked about. But right. I think the most, I guess I could say if I could pinpoint one, sure. it would definitely be that funeral expense one. They, okay. We call it a final expense product. Right. So that final expense product, you could get it for any specific dollar amount you want. You say 10000 12000 right? That's what you're insuring. But you pay, you know, at your age, you'll probably pay about $20 a month. Right. So if God forbid something happens to her in about two years, you have that ten, twelve thousand that you and you only paid about what, two hundred bucks? Sure. So I think it's the most beneficial because a lot of the times, and this is what normally happens, is something happens to Isaac and you go to the funeral and you're just like, How am I gonna pay for this? Or someone that's not in a financially stable place. Of course, of course. How am I gonna pay for this funeral? Mm -hmm. And they're like, Do you have the first question they ask you is, Do you have any life insurances? And you're like, Yeah, I have one for hundred thousand and the second you give them an amount they're going to highball you so if you already have that separate insurance called the final expense that funeral expense they have to they cannot that. touch your life insurance they can't take any money out of that they can only they, they will work with your means exactly because that part it. is covered that's a right. good tip that's really good to know and yeah. it's something and we 100 percent are all going to need at some point oh, and nobody wants to think that two and nobody wants to right? talk about yeah. yes <laughs> yeah those two things yeah absolutely well that's really good that's yeah. a, that's a great example so you sound very passionate about it now of going from somebody who had no clue what i wouldn't say i'm definitely professional it's going to take a couple more i would say years to be 100 percent comfortable in what i do it's been less than a year but just having my mentor alone and not even making money alone i've had pretty good cases Great. in the year that i started luckily but i would say just being in his shoes and tagging along in his meetings and just seeing how he talks and just even doing my own research at home how many products that we're able to sell how many carriers we right. have as well and just you know, so much yeah and that's very important in i think in any industry not just what you're doing shadowing yeah having a mentor right somebody that professionally does what you're trying to do because the same thing when I started with the nonprofit my boss at the time I was 28 years old and she was like like a baller like she can go into meetings and run yeah. this stuff and had people scared exactly and she's I, pretty amazing she's yeah. a, and to this she's day amazing and I looked up to her and just the way she approached people the way she talked to people the way she commanded attention you can or tell she room. held herself to a higher standard yeah and right. she held herself to, in a way that she didn't cower as a woman sometimes you're like oh you don't want to say something but she didn't she spoke what she needed to say and people listened and i learned a lot from that and still to this day that i still work with her i've been there 19 years i can still like oh like i see her deal with people or situations and i'm like yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> I think I am picking that up. Yes. Okay. I think what tags along with that is that people need to be passionate in what they do. If you don't like what you do, you're more than likely won't be as successful as your full potential could give you. Right. I mean, you were definitely service oriented and you're trying to help people. Right. With service. Everything. Yeah. And you have to be passionate in what you like. You know, if I woke up every day and I was like, man, I have to work today or uh, man, I have to do this. It's like my driving force isn't that I have to pay bills because in reality, my dad's fortunate enough that if something happens to him tomorrow, I don't have to work a day in my life. And I don't have that mindset where I'm just going to be a bum and just wait for that day to happen or just not have my, like, my drive is just as a little girl, always wanting to be successful. It's not even chasing dollar amounts. It's just 
having the feeling within yourself, right? So that's why that's where the passion comes in. It's like you have to find something you genuinely love to do. Are you helping people? Are you happy within yourself? Do you love what you do every day? The beneficial part is that it pays your bills. Yeah. But it gets to, you on good trips. Point out, Absolutely. But, but to point out, you mentioned a couple of times that while you're going through college, you lived at home. But to point out, you now live on your own, oh, pay your own expenses and I pay your it. own car, of course. <laughs> but you are taking care of yourself with, 100%, with, with 100%. a master's degree yes, and trying a field that you had no idea existed really or what that entailed. Just taking a chance, right? And Super taking a chance. I remember I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm planning on moving out. I just recently moved out probably about, I would say about six months ago. All right, congratulations. And thank you. And I told him, I think I'm looking at a place and I'm a daddy's girl hundred percent. So I live with him and he was like, he's always very tough exterior to start off is whatever you want. You just have to make sure you're paying your bills and it's a whole different ball game. Like I know you lived mm -hmm. by yourself for half a year, but you just have to make sure cleaning supply, everything. Don't take the risk out at the time. I don't think he knew how much money I was making. Right. So he was like really worried for me. And then after I moved out, he was like, well, why did you go? Like, I didn't want you to go. Like, I miss you. And it makes me think like, man, like, did I make a wrong decision? Right. I don't think and so. And then I realized it and I'm like, I am so much more responsible. Yes. I have all these bills and not only I have to keep up with, but also shows me something that I have to work for every day. If I was just comfortable and I was just staying in my comfort zone, it wouldn't allow me to grow as, you wouldn't as be a growing. human. You, right. You said it. I you would wouldn't be growing. at home, you know, being sheltered and just not necessarily because he never paid a bill for mine except the luxury of living under his roof, 100%. Right. But Which is huge. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. I was so thankful for it. A lot of kids move out at 18, right? I had the, the opportunity to stay till I was 22. Yeah. 23. I'm sorry. 23. And in the grand scheme of things, doesn't seem like a whole lot of time, but those formative years for you doing that really helps solidify your ability mm -hmm. to do what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. So I do have a question because this yes. happens and comes up a lot in my work and just our friends. And so it sounds as if your father had the ability to pay for your school? Oh, a hundred percent. He did, could pay for my whole graduating class, probably. So how did it make you feel that he wouldn't? Right. At the time, my sister, because she was the first one that, that got sent off, yes. right? She was, you know, she's the one that wasn't close to my father. So she was very, I guess, she was very um resentful. Maybe? Right. Yeah. She was very resentful. She left for college and she never looked back. There'd be days where she wouldn't call him. And my mom at the time was still with my dad, but my mom teacher's salary. Yeah. If she could pay for our colleges, she would. She's, right. She just has that heart. But my dad, I can't blame him. He did tell us when we were young, if you want to go to college, you don't have a choice. So You're you, going. Already, you knew right. it in the back right. of your mind. You knew it. So or, you just, why... or did you not think he was 100? I didn't think he was serious. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think he was serious because I didn't grow up with money at all. Mm -hmm. As soon as my dad started his business, and I would say like towards the end of my high school years, I was like, he has money. Like he has money. And I was like, but I wasn't like those kids where I still had to pay my phone bill. I still had to do little things. So right. he would make us super responsible. And we couldn't just go to him and be like, hey, we're going to the movies. Can we have money? Never, ever. I think he bought his clothes once a year. And it for was school. for school. school clothes. Right. But we were never, you know, he had the money, but he would never, ever... I want this purse or I want this. It was like, okay, right. not you, that's not your money. You've been working. <laughs> right. You pay for it. So I think my sister leaving for college, she was very resentful. She was never close to my dad in that sense. So she yeah. 
went through a year or so just barely talking to him. And I was like, you know what? I was a senior at the time and she was about a sophomore in college. And I was starting to put things into perspective. Like, why is he making it so hard? For, and me being a daddy's girl, I was like, why is he making it so hard for us? And me seeing my friends having their parents pay for their colleges. Yeah. And then they also get to live in this super nice apartment and not having any debt and not having to work. Because I, I worked when I was in college yeah. too, even at UTSA. And I was starting to think, why is he making this? I don't think it, I realized it till maybe a couple years later that I was like, he's doing it for our benefit. He's doing it so we could learn not only the value of a dollar, how much things are going to cost, but also teach you to work along the way so you could pay for the things you want. Yes. It's so not going to be handed in to you. In retrospect, you appreciated it. Oh, 100%. Today, I'm like, the reason I feel like I'm so good at managing money is because of you. Because right. I, I look at my friends at my age now or maybe a year or two younger than me and they're still at their part-time jobs. It's not a bad thing. Right. But I just feel like I'm so much further at my age level now than they are. Right. And I have much more of budgeting skills or I know what to put away and certain things like that. Or is that really worth it to buy? Is that not? Could I buy something more beneficial for me. It just puts a lot of more things into perspective. Is exactly at the what age I was that, say. you know, maybe mm -hmm. other kids aren't thinking that way. They're, they're not. They're still living, yeah. you know, off their parents. Right. You know, so I definitely do That's appreciate it. That's a great lesson it. that he helped yeah. teach but, you. But definitely at that young age, I was like, but why, dad? Yeah. Like, why? You could help me. Just help me. Yeah, you know? I, I'm feeling like I didn't challenge my own kids all that much right now you're making this question <laughs> our there, entire there's, life there's <laughs> a pro and a con because yeah. it just depends if your kids grew up and they were just greedy little kids and dad and mom give me this or this yeah. the main things that they're getting their education and as long as they keep their heads up i know kids that went to school and their parents paid and they just completely slept off and it's hey if i'm paying for your school it's with the notion that you're going to focus all in. Yeah, our kid, that's their job. Like, right. that is what they're right. supposed to do. And they worked in school, right. but just not big job, nothing crazy. Just what they could manage with school. Uh -huh. But one of the biggest things that our son always brings up is that in high school, his friends would get paid for good grades. Oh, they got $100 because they got A's. And I tell him, you've never given me anything said, but you live in our home and you golf and we buy you golf clubs. Like you don't have to worry do about things. You don't have thing. to work. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Your job is the grades. I'm not going to reward you for, for doing something, something that, you're supposed to be doing. Right, right. That, that is your only responsibility. And if you don't do that, then all the other stuff goes away. So we had the, that same expectation with both our kids. And he would always like, our grades came out and my friends got this much for it's A's and I comparison. get, I get yes. all comparison. A's and I don't get anything. I said, let's clarify because you do get your golf fees paid. You have your vehicle, you have Everything stuff. Everything you yeah. want. All yeah. the gear. All so the it's gear. just perspective, right. right? What it looks like. So there's always comparison. So there's right. always pros and cons. And I think in retrospect, I may have hoped or we should have had our kids work probably in the summers right. and things like that. part-time that just so they know. I but guess. I think because our kids are so far apart, we did make Skylar work because when she was home, her job in the summer was to take care of him, get him where he needs to be. And we would pay her for that. Yeah. Get that him, was her job. That was mm -hmm. her job. And so she did feel like she always had responsibility. But with him, not so much because he was the baby. So it was like, yeah. you know, I think I wouldn't say go to the extremes of what how <laughs> I was raised, but maybe the middle ground. I would if I had the money to pay for my kids college, I definitely would. But I would say, hey, any spending money or going out money, if you want it, get a little part-time yeah. gig. 
a happy Don't worry about your living or your college in general. But if there's any extra money you want, then yeah. earn it. I think I would have that middle ground. I don't think I would go to the, the full extreme of, you want Whataburger? Mm-hmm. You must. Like, uh, and my, my dad, probably similar situation, my dad did not graduate from college. He didn't go to college ever. He's self-made and started a business Good. and he did really well for himself. Probably the most successful right. business person I had ever met. And my dad worked really hard all the time. And yeah. I know he did that for us. And my older brother went in the business with him and I had the same mentality, like, why not me? I'm I can do this. Yeah. Like I can mm-hmm. do these things, too. But my father was very much of he didn't want me to have the life that he had because the hardworking life, a right. different right. kind of life. Much like your father. Yes. Yeah. So when you were saying that, that reminded me of him. But when I went to college, they didn't pay for my college either. I had to take out the loans needed for myself to pay for college. And I worked, but I knew I had them to fall back on. If anything went... Yeah, and and Isaac and I tell this story all the time because Isaac did not come from the same financial means. So I would work, and if he was short rent, I would give him my money so he could cover rent. And then I would turn around and ask my dad for money and be like, Dad, I didn't have enough money this month for rent. Can you help me? And he'd be like, why not? Did you not work? Did yeah. you not this? What did you spend it on? Da, da, da. And I'd give him a sad story. He'd send me money to help me. But Isaac didn't have that to fall back on. I was his Completely fallback. Completely different. Yeah. So if he was short, I gave him money. I was always short. Or yeah. And if he needed... Never gro- failed. Yeah. <laughs> if he needed groceries, I would buy them. And we didn't live together, but I would give him money Make for sure food. sure he was taken care of. And then I would go home and be like, Dad, I need call. Dad, I need some money. Dad, can you help yeah. me? And he always did. He didn't pay for my college, but I knew if I needed him, the fallback, yeah, he was there. If I failed, he was there. And my mom too, but I had that relationship with my dad too, where he mm-hmm. was the one I called. And immediately I would start crying, like sad story, because I got, I would get real emotional with him because I was sensitive It would work, with him. right? It would work. <laughs> it would work. All you got to do in front of dad is cry. I hope you're not listening to this no. dad. <laughs> we it's don't do that. Uh, no. not a... But that was the nature of it that I, he didn't, they didn't pay for my college, but they could have. Yeah. However, if I needed something, I knew that I could be there and I knew I could move home if I needed to. And I did. Yeah. When I had Skylar, I first thing, my dad was the first person like, let's pack you up. Let's get you home. That's what they do, but very similar that's experience. Neat, yeah. yeah. And when you were saying that, that's what it thought about. But I would bend over backwards to help my kids. I had a different mentality with my right. own kids, like you're saying. Let's wrap this up and talk about if you could give advice to somebody who is pursuing a degree in business, what would you have done anything different? Would you have explored anything different? You didn't talk a lot about you doing internships or doing this kind of thing. Life was your lesson. Like going working all these jobs gave you insight to everything. So would you do something different in that? I definitely had no internships at all. I think I was just focused on working all the time. I would work for my dad. I guess that was my sort of little internship. I think so. Because I got a lot of business skills that I needed or just office skills in general or just talking to people. So I never had any internships. I feel like if I had one thing that I could maybe pick on that's just being really picky would be just getting more involved with school life I was never in any clubs right my focus was you know at UTSA my focus was how am I going to make the bills yes so so, it's just total survival mode I wasn't able to completely just enjoy my experience for the half a year I was there and then coming back home I was just full on I'm home I'm in the valley. School is just a side thing. I wasn't total immersed in college life. 
So I was never interested in it. I would say if there was one thing I definitely regret, it would be probably be more interactive in school life. If there's a certain club you like or just making more time to stay on campus to meet. To be social with right, people you're To be social or even networking in general. Because yeah. I could be putting myself out there and I never did. I, right. If there was an online class, sign me up. Right. I was just so worried about getting the degree done yeah. that it just flew past me. And I didn't get to people who are in sororities and all. And I was like, I have nothing to say that I was in. No clubs I was in, nothing. Of course, I made deans and presidents lists all the time. But that's not an organization that you're in or involved in. I wouldn't. There's no community in it. Yeah. No community. As far as my degree path, I personally wouldn't change anything. I always say when in doubt, go business. My little sister is a senior applying for colleges right now. Great. And she's completely lost. I don't know what. She's also doing the dual enrollment. So she'll graduate as an uh, associates as well. And she said, I don't know what degree I want to go to. And super stressing about it. I'm like, just go business. Because if you just have those basics done, and if you want to switch later on the, down the line, you have the basics. And I guarantee you, if you go in a different major, you're still going to touch on those topics it's or true. those classes mm -hmm. so i definitely wouldn't change anything as I, far as my I career path definitely think a business degree has the most well-rounded potential right potential because as we discussed right, like the undergrad for both isaac and i have the business undergrad but you get marketing you get sales you get management you get human resources accounting and finance and mm -hmm. information like systems a lot of, yeah information system a that lot one, of one. a lot of different components that they throw at you and who doesn't need somebody who runs a business, right? Any company, right. any organization, you need those skills. So that's why I say I have the same, the most broad, yeah. because let's just say you go into a very <clears throat> specific field. It's if that career doesn't work out for you, unless you're a lawyer or a doctor, right? right? Unless that doesn't work out with you, do you have any other skills that you transferable learned, skills that yes. you learned? Because in business, you get all these people skills, you get all these mm -hmm. marketing skills, you get all these networking skills, you get all these even office work. So it's like all important you, components. you have no matter where you end up. I mean, I ended mm -hmm. up as a financial advisor for now, I would say. But and you're just getting started. Right. I'm just getting started. Yeah. But I would say if I were to be in what you're doing or what you're doing, it would have helped regardless. Yeah, it but, definitely helped right. in both aspects. I am so glad that I did that for the what I'm doing now. But when I was 18, I didn't think about what I'm doing now. This oh, not, that was not my thought you're process. You're just ready. Right? Let me get out. I just need yeah. to. Yeah. I want to live life. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. But thank you, Carla, for sharing your story. It was very insightful and I think very helpful for parents who are in a similar situation who aren't sure what to do, helping their kids or not, and right. also helping what you do after you graduate yeah. with them. Thank you guys for having thank me. Thank you for being here. Of course. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks.